This episode of the Past Podcast is sponsored by the Staff Canteen. Hello, it's Paul Newbegin, and as you can hear from the background noise, I'm not in a studio or office space today. I'm at the XL for Hotel Olympia, and I'll be here with the Staff Canteen to talk you through the chefs that are appearing on the Staff Canteen live stage today. There'll be some industry greats sharing dishes, tips and stories about their career so far. And hopefully I'll be getting to talk to them all. Cheers. So first of all, I spoke to Cara from the staff canteen who spoke to me about the sheer joys of organising an event like this. Bear in mind the staff canteen live is over a number of days and involved various chefs, sponsors, a catering college, a food technician, a food director, backstage people, me milling around on one of the days. Anyway, safe to say she had a great time, but thank you so much, Cara, for your time. It's a really interesting chat to kick off this episode. Just don't like being this side. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's cool, it's cool. <laughs> and the interview. I'm the one who's normally interviewing, not the interviewee. What's, so what's your, what does the day-to-day look like for you then with the staff canteen? That is a really difficult question. Um, day-to-day for the staff canteen for me um, is... I mean, it's, it involves a lot of chasing chefs around. <laughs> particularly Same for, as my day-to-day. Yeah, particularly <laughs> for the staff canteen live, we have, you know, 16-plus chefs that we have to organise um, to be here, first off. And then uh, we also have to make sure that we have their recipes, you know, we need images, we need, you know, all sorts of graphics to go with that. And, um, yeah, so staff canteen live is pretty hectic for about six months including the four days that we're then in it and doing it so yeah so anybody that's kind of anybody in that's interested in food knows the staff canteen now hopefully yeah definitely 100 <laughs> it's like synonymous so it must be really good now that you're at that established stage because you have all these contacts you can do things like this yeah i mean i've been with the staff canteen for four years and even in those four years it has grown massively um and it's amazing to go into kitchens and even just speak to chefs who are like walking past the stage today they'll you know they'll say oh you're everywhere and all my chefs they use the staff canteen and you know they get so much from it but yeah no it's it's amazing to then have those contacts and when you do an event like this you can go to them and say can you come and do this and they're, they're more than willing to give their time which is an amazing thing and not just for us for the people who are coming to watch them as well because there's some young chefs or people who potentially want to be chefs and I think it's really inspiring so what what were the sort of starting thoughts when you started to plan these series of days out when you were thinking about what chef to go to how did you sort of start that ball rolling well that is kind of what Mark does so he starts the ball rolling and then we all try and catch up with it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Mark kind of has a list of you know people that he would like to see on stage and then my kind of input is I see a lot of the chefs kind of on the ground that he might not be aware of because he doesn't know everybody and um, I'll say you know they'll be great they might have for instance one great British menu they might be just like a really new upcoming chef that everyone's talking about on social so yeah he has a list and then I kind of contribute to that make sure that we've got some female chefs on that list as well it's very easy to uh, to miss them so yeah always make sure that we've got them guys there because they're amazing chefs equally never mind whether male or female and um so yeah that's kind of the process and then it's a case of will you do it chef yes and then all the chasing starts so I can yeah. imagine it's one of those things that it's really fun to plan 
and then really stressful to execute. No, it's stressful from beginning to end. <laughs> there's nothing fun. No, I'm joking. No, it's um, yeah. I think a lot of planning goes into this, and we're people probably don't realise that we are a tiny team. There's you know there's me. I have a social media manager, Jenna, who's amazing. Couldn't do it without her. I have a, a deputy editor, and then we have a couple in sales. And that is pretty much your team. So it's it's a tiny team, and to put on something like this, I mean, at, at the end of it, we all go, oh, it's done. But it's still, it's quite amazing that it all gets pulled off, and usually without a hitch. It's usually traffic that's the problem. Not yes. not nothing to do with our organisational skills. Yes. Well, it's, it's run like a really tight ship, and essentially for the listeners, the setup is we've got this fantastic stage space. We've got industry greats and upcoming chefs, people like Gareth Ford, or somebody yeah. I'm really interested in at the minute. And they're basically doing a demo, right? Yeah, yeah. And what are you sort of asking them then ahead of it? Do you give them a brief? Do you say, oh, will you cook this? Or do you just kind of let them do it? Yeah, we tend to say to chef, you know, what do, what do you want to cook? It's up to you, as long as we get a recipe, um, which most of them, you know, will give us. Um, it's kind of down to them, really. But, I mean, the advice we probably give them is that the more interactive it can be, the better. There's no point turning up with something that you can't cook on stage that you literally just plate because then there's nothing to show. Um, it's amazing for the audience, I think, when they've got, like, the, they can taste the different elements of the dish, which you don't always get to do. There's nothing worse than watching a cooking pro- programme and wanting to know what that tastes like. So, yeah, that's a really a great part of the Staff Canteen Live. And this year we've got the wine pairing as well, which is even better. So you get a glass of wine and you get to try the food. So, I mean, what more could you want? And it's free. And, so. it's, and it's a really, it was a fantastic pairing for the, the talk that's just gone on, which is the Sean Rankin talk. That kind of kicks the day. So are you, do you sort of let the chefs decide when in the day they're going to come or are you sort of trying to get different people at different times? Yeah, that, again, that's kind of a, a, above... I don't really get involved in that, but, yeah, it tends to be we try and have certain names on at certain times of the day. But, I mean, we have an amazing lineup, so it really doesn't matter who's on at what time. We always have a great show. We always have tons of people I mean we're so busy that I never get a chance to even look around the rest of what's going on but we're always busy which yeah. is what we want yeah. so yeah no it's a it's a great concept and like I said with the wine we're trying to do something different every single time that we do one just to try and keep ahead of everybody try and make sure that you know we're engaging everybody so yeah you're talking about female chefs there is that something that you're quite passionate about especially now that, with the platform that you're a part of to really push forward I mean, I'm just... You have to be passionate about chefs overall. I mean, to me, they're all chefs. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, female or male. They're all equally amazing at what they do. I couldn't do what they do. I love writing about them. I love videoing them most of the time, um, as long as they're behaving themselves. But... You know, I, I wouldn't want to work their hours. I wouldn't. I haven't got the dedication or the passion that they have for food. So, you know, it's... But, yeah, female chefs, it's a really tricky subject. I ask the question myself when I speak to chefs, and, you know, they're very... They don't want to consider themselves a female chef. They are just a chef, and that's what we want to do. However, it's still very important to highlight that they are there, they're doing amazing things, and let's not forget that it's, yeah. you know it's not just a male industry anymore it's, it's changing so. you, you have to you do have to obviously I'm in a similar 
industry, industry to yourself and I've said to a friend you know I like to have at least one female chef a season and the only reason for that is a slightly different perspective it's not because I'm trying to make up numbers or trying to have some gender equality it's, yeah. it's just because you want a different perspective right yeah well, but my hope is that it wouldn't even have to come into your head eventually yeah. eventually it will just be a you know it's chefs across the board and exactly. it's 50-50 and yeah. they're you know everyone's doing the same job and it doesn't matter I mean it's not just this industry it's, it's all industries it's important to make sure that everyone's equal so and they are I mean there's some amazing amazing female chefs that probably put a lot of male chefs to shame so so your job is more is very much to have the finger on the pulse right you've got yes. to have your be in the chefing industry what or who is really exciting you at the minute oh that's a tough question there's so many um oh that's put me on the spot I don't know guys like like you said like Gareth Ward he's really exciting and they're really out of the way so they really have to push hard you know to make sure that they're a destination that people want to go to um i find northern chefs very exciting i am northern so i'm quite passionate about that and um i like them to have as big a piece of the pie as what they do in london and i think they definitely are you know you, you like like tommy banks um you know the, the james close at the rabie hunt what they're doing for the northeast kind of food scene is amazing but then you've got guys in like manchester adam reed in manchester he's very cool in what he's doing and um, yeah, and then um, York. I'm very passionate about York. There's a guy in um, at, at Scosh called Neil, and he's like, it's that is my go-to restaurant. What he's doing. If you've not been there, you have to go to Scosh. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, what he's but he's so you know relaxed. He doesn't blow his own trumpet. He's on my list to interview. I've had twice now. Josh from Kosh on a boat. Yes, oh god, yes, and Josh as well. I love. Yeah, well, I'm Leeds, so yeah. Actually, York, I think, outdoes. Apart from maybe the exception of Mampa, I'm like a. York actually out does Leeds. Yeah, they've got some fantastic yeah. restaurants uh, in York. They're getting a, it's just amazing for me because that's my local place to go. So yeah, it's great. But equally, Harrogate, there's some amazing places in Harrogate. We've got Michael Carr at Restaurant 92. Um, we've, got, we've got Norse, um, it's, it's great. So yeah we're, yeah, we're heading there for a networking lunch on Monday. So that'll be good. So yeah, Simon and his team, um, we really wanted to support them because of, you know, they quite publicly said that they're independent restaurants are struggling and they need people to go and we thought you know what that's that's true let's let's go and support them and do one of our lunches there because it's very easy to just pick you know other other places so yeah no um but there's some really exciting restaurants but london as well you know yeah there's, not, i don't want to just go the, northern the list is yeah endless. no like there's amazing restaurants I'm looking forward to we've got people like like uh pip lacy who's going to be yes. on she's opening that's really exciting uh tom brown he's opening cornerstone that's equally going to be great and um yeah so the list is pretty endless but it's really amazing to see so many young chefs and they're so passionate and they're really i think helping to kickstart people's interest in it as well so which is great i'm going to ask a, a running question through this episode to everybody i talk to this is going to be hard for you to answer <laughs> if you could have one chef past or present presenting on the staff canteen live stage who would it be also present presenting on the stage Ooh, now that is a difficult one do you know who I've just interviewed and I wish I spoke French because I think it would have been a hell of a lot of a better interview is Alan Decasse okay. and I bloody loved him he wow. was just so good he's so chill but he's equally so passionate and what he's done over the past 40 years I think 
like yeah he'd be he'd be a, a great one on there and I think a lot of people would want to know what he had I think, to say I think the queue so. would be out the door <laughs> yeah. I've, had, I've had Thomas Keller and Alain Ducasse so far I think uh, we're building a, yeah. a dream line <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> thank you so much for your time Cara uh, Staff Canteen Live coming from Hotel Olympia this is the past podcast we're going to cover the event all day really really excited to be involved thank you so much no thank you cheers thanks So my first chat was with Sean Rankin from Orma in Mayfair, and he spoke about his dish of pork belly, chorizo, and apple chutney with a pressed Asian pear, calamari, and fennel salad. It was absolutely delicious, I can tell you that. What a pleasure to meet you. How are you, sir? Yeah, good. Good. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for being here. It's always nice when you... Because I spoke to Mark, obviously, about coming to the event today and obviously tried to kind of pick my days to the people that I hadn't met so far and you were one of the people that I'd obviously really would like to meet so here it is so what we're going to talk about today is the dishes that you're doing first of all we're going to talk about what you're going to be cooking for the event so will you talk me through sort of how you decided what you were going to cook today uh yeah this is a a dish that we've we've had in the restaurant uh in all my restaurants you know um over a couple of years uh I visited Spain once and, and, and fell in love with the with the ingredients um uh, it's, it's based on sort of like a batatas uh, sort of uh, flavours, uh, chorizo, um, tomatoes, calamari and, and pork, really. It's a, it's a very simple dish. What's interesting, I can see the queue building for you already, and there's a lot of chefs waiting for you. Do you like sort of engaging with chefs and sharing ideas with different chefs? Absolutely. Uh, this trade is all about passing on your, your knowledge and uh, and. You know, really, really firm believer of bringing apprentices into, into the kitchen and, and you know, and, and through the ranks as much as possible. Uh, it's really nice to interact. It's really nice to get to get back to basics and actually cook rather than you know opening restaurants and managing restaurants and people. So it's the fun. It's the fun bit. It must be quite a different skill, right? To, to having your own sort of brand and name out there, right? Yeah, it can be hard as well. Um, you, you've got you've got a lot to do. You know, you've got to keep the momentum up. It's like everything. You, you know, the more you do, you know, the more. Uh, the more doors open, you know, if, if it were that way, for, for lots of different reasons, you know, not just for personal reasons, but, you know, for, you know, ambitious chefs that work for you as well, you know, like, for instance, I was in, um, I was in, uh, lucky enough to be in the Dominican Republic last week with uh, Thomas Keller from the French Laundry, uh, who now is a very good friend, so now we're looking to, you know, put, you know, our chefs into, into the French Laundry on stages. You know, and these doors open, you know, at the right time, you know, and we can give our, you know, our, our young chefs, the, you know, the, the ability to go and work in a three-star place in California, then fabulous. So what kind of draw you to doing something like this with the staff canteen? I guess you've worked with them before. Yeah, a uh, long relationship with the staff canteen and Mark, um, you know, for years, um, over over eight, nine years, uh, you know, we've done off and on, we've done, done a few bits. Um, you know, really good to work with, uh, you know, um, it, it's, re- it's really positive for the industry. The chefs love it. Um, they're really in tune with it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's great. What are the sort of skills that you'll be demonstrating today? What are the sort of tips that you'll be giving out as you're cooking? Today, um, you know, we don't have a lot of time. We have 30 minutes. And right. some of the, um, you, you know, the, uh, the, the recipes that are involved in this dish, you know, do take quite a lot of time. So... Uh, we, we, you know, we've, we've, we've not cheated, but we've actually uh, we've had to make some things, you know, um, you know, uh, pre-done. Uh, but we'll explain that, you know, as we go through, uh, you know, the dish, uh, what we've done and how we've done it, um, and then, you know, they understand when they start tasting it that the um, uh, the basics of the dish is, you know, the combination, the flavour, and the texture, and you know, and that's what we work on. What 
what are your sort of passions when, when, when you're cooking? What really sort of turns you, you know, turns you on, if you like, when you're sort of making a dish? Um, well, for me, the, uh, the seasons change, so that's the start of everything, and, and it gets me focused back onto food. Because when you're when you're working and you you're so diverse in the industry and hospitality, you're designing kitchens, restaurants, you know, working in your own restaurant, own kitchens, man managing people, and you know, and and, and product led. Uh, sometimes it, it's really hard to, to focus on what you truly believe in. That's that's what you do. You're a chef. Um, and and the, ch- the seasons change, and that that really gets me excited. It gets me focused on food again, um, and uh, and then you know you really start to um, start to think about you know new dishes, uh, new ingredients, new combinations, and that's exciting. You have to sort of have your your finger on the pulse because obviously at the minute we've had like loads of snow, so while people would have been out foraging for things, and there's you know you you kind of almost halted right when you go so seasonal. You have to kind of keep your finger on the pulse, right? Very, very true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've really got to, you know, work with your head chefs and your head chefs and your sous chefs. You've got to be talking to the supply chain continuously all the time about what's going on. You know, have we got this? Have we got that? You know, um, you know. Looking up, I, I live in Jersey, so I tend to bring a lot of my ingredients over from Jersey, <laughs> especially all the foraging because I use all the the, the sort of uh, the seashore area and and also the. Um, uh, the uh, the grass area next to the uh, next to the seashore, just off the beach, where you get the spray of, um, of of the salt water, and that's where your salty fingers lie. You see purslane and you see beets and all that kind of stuff lie there. So, yes, it is important to keep your finger on the pulse. You know, the guys are doing it day in day out in the kitchens. Um, yeah, because um, we do work in seasons. Do you see events like this almost as a chance to show off those sort of unique products that you can get as well in Jersey? talk about it maybe years ago yeah but I mean the world's a small place now I mean everything is just so easy to get and readily available everything's you know I, I think it's you know you, now it's all about um, you, you know your own belief of food you know what, what, what you like it's not about showing off anymore I don't think it's, it's about what makes you um, a cook and, and, and that's the belief and it should shine through in your food Will you stay around today and watch any of the other demos? Because there's a great lineup on today. Yeah, no, I will absolutely. I've got a, another uh, bit of work to do today with Precision, um, and then yeah, after that, once I've done that, hopefully I'll get back and you know see some of the guys. So here's an interesting hypothetical question: If you could have one chef, past or present, on that stage to watch, who would you choose? Who would you like to cook a dish for you on the stage? Well, I was in the uh, as I said to you before, I was. Uh, um, I was with Thomas Keller, um, you know, last week uh, from the French Laundry, and although he'd be 62, 63, um, you know, and we did some prep, we did some prep, and it was funny because he, re- he really massacred this tuna, <laughs> proper massacred. I'm looking at going, chef, that's really not how you do it. But you've got to, you, you know, and he's, 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 he's talking to me, going, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm 62 now, 63. You know what I mean? It's like I've done all that before. You know what I mean? You've got to respect the fact of the knowledge. Yeah, you know who he is. Um, so if anybody, yeah, it will be Thomas Keller. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's Thank been you. a pleasure to chat to you. Cheers. Thanks. So next up on the Staff Canteen live stage was Ashley Palmer Watts and Johnny Gass from Dinner by Hesting Blumenthal. It was fantastic to chat to the lads and it was great to see their dish of sherried scallops being made live on stage for the Staff Canteen. We got to a good place. It was crazy when we opened um, you know, now we've got nice control, we've got a nice sort of mechanism in place, good, good energy going. And, and history has always been at the part, at the sort of heart yeah. of dinner, is that right? Well, it's our starting point. You know, we get inspired by old 
historical banquets, dishes, frameworks, flavour combinations. But, you know, then we take it from there and use our imagination and combine that with great ingredients and create food that we really love to eat. So my guests on the past podcast, thank you both so much for joining me. Ashley Palmer-Watts, Johnny Glass, both from dinner in, uh, in London, and obviously you actually look after Sydney, uh, Melbourne as well. Yep. Sorry. Um, how's, it, how's it been going over there since obviously the fat duck popped over and now you're the permanent restaurant? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, it's been a big learning curve. Um, you know, opening the second restaurant of a, a particular restaurant 10,000 miles away has its challenges, but it also has its plus points. And I think it's really made us look at how we set ourselves up internally as a team um, it forces us a lot of self-development for, for, for that team as well set goals uh, communication has to be absolutely A1 um, without that it will really fall apart and um, it's about, you know, it's a massive team now you know, it's 210 people between the two restaurants and staff and you know, it's, communication is everything. And it's not just like the difference of having a restaurant in London and, and Manchester, it's the world away. So the communication between the two of you surely has to be paramount, right? Yeah, I mean, we're always on the phone, we're on Skype, half the time messing around, but half the time it's pretty serious. WhatsApp groups, FaceTime if we need to. But we, we've got two clocks in the restaurant as well, so I can remember what time it is over there, because that gets yeah. a bit tricky. So after service there is a good time to catch these guys in London. But, you know, with all the different kind of media uh, connection that you have now like it's really easy you couldn't have done this 10 years ago not not at the level at which we're trying to achieve and um, you know with technology now it, it makes it a lot easier um, yeah it's good and obviously you were talking through your your chat on the staff canteen live today about the sort of unique challenges you face as a big cover fine dining restaurant I, I can't think of many off the top of my head that do the same covers that you guys do I mean if any. Zuma Zuma's pretty large um, at, you know a pretty high level um, but I think you know when we opened dinner it really was you know we knew that there wasn't really anything like it and, and there, there kind of isn't really anything like it any at the moment in London I mean yeah, we're doing, you know, like I say, eighty-five to 90,000 people a year. Um, but we've we still got everything that a small restaurant, you know, has it, its core values. That's how we operate. But it takes a hell of a lot of effort to get there. And, and a great team of people, you know, Johnny is the head chef. But Dan over here on, on pastry. And it's, it's a huge team, a lot of effort. So what were you guys doing between the conversation between the two of you to decide what dish you were going to do today? <laughs> Uh, there, was a, there was a bit of back and forth. It was tricky because was that, a row? well, Ashley was I'm in. Not uh, on. No, never a row. Never a row. But um, no, Ashley was in in Australia for last week as well. So there was a little bit of communication just to decide which we were going to do. But um, we had already sent the recipes off, hadn't we? And yeah. we, we had a framework in mind, and then you know just a few little tweaks at the end, and it was all good. Just, but, I think the dish has to show technique. It has to show. Um, the kind of process that we go through to demonstrate how we go about taking an initial idea, as simple as it may be, scallops, boiled in sherry, drained off, fried in butter, parsley and lemon juice. You know, it is the youngest dish, you know, essentially it's inspired by history. But at the same time, the process in which it's gone, it's produced three different versions of the dish for different times of the year. But it just, we just want people to see how we operate and how we build things and when, when we start thinking about techniques and uh, taking an ingredient or making so- something as simple as a broth or consomme 
how we approach that, how we build flavours, build layers, complexity, balance, and how the whole thing ties together. What was interesting was one of the questions that you got asked was, uh, oh, what's your most complicated dish? Uh, and that, that struck me something that almost, I guess, the public perception yeah. as the perceives you as this really pernickety, complex answer. Because um, there's different different levels of complexity yeah. and different versions of it. Um, Do you consider yourself like a complex restaurant, or, or is? Do you know what I think? There's there's a lot of complexity behind what seems to be so simple. Yeah. You know that, but that's that's what we do. Yeah. And um, and I think that's what delivers flavour and balance and the experience at dinner. Um, in terms of you know being complex, they're all complex in some way because when you scale it up, there's different complexities come out. Like it's fine just doing your dish for two. But try doing it, you know, in, in much bigger volumes. So From multiple different sections and coordinating all those guys. Bringing it together with, with that balance is, yeah, I mean, they're all complex. Nothing's easy, to be honest. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> what I wonder is, though, actually, if it's it's probably easy for you guys to go through all these processes and do all these incredible things, but maybe the hardest part is to keep the identity. And how do you kind of ensure that? Well, I think identity is one thing. I mean, we what's really important is not to always take the safe option with your identity as well you you have to keep evolving you know and we still got meat fruit on the on the on the, on the menu along with tips and cake but so many dishes have changed and evolved and sometimes when we do it in the development kitchen you know it doesn't feel like this is our kind of thing they say well you know we've really got to push beyond the boundary to then find your limit and if you don't push far enough you're not going to get to where you need to get um, so always looking at different, we call them like vehicles of delivering flavour and texture, how we're going to put something together. How can we evolve that, take it to the next level, you know, swap it round, turn it on its head, I don't know, back to front, whatever. It's But we have to push ourselves, especially when you come down to the plating. You know, when we don't, we haven't really decided, and we do this in pastry as well, you know, we know what we're going to put on the plate. We, we know what our initial idea was and we're probably 20 versions down the line <laughs> and we will just we'll just go for it you know and it might be an absolute disaster but you know what is that's okay because you have to just you have to just do that you know and uh, i think you learn that when you get a little bit older like like us you know <laughs> yeah i wondered for you johnny if you know obviously being in front of cameras and live audiences yeah. and all that is it's one is, is one thing but then when you got well, when you yeah. got your main man that's the next year no, i mean it's 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 kind of a double-edged sword because obviously ash is reassuring to have him there but also because he's done so much of it and he's so experienced with it and it seems very natural um Adds a little bit of pressure as well. Like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but you know, it's no, just we're not like that. No. You know, oh, no, we no. work together. Yeah, it's not. I'm not. It's, you no. know, it's not yeah. like I'm not, not like a portrayer. Yeah, yeah. Not, you know what are. I mean. It's it's a uh, you know we do we work together. We're like when yeah. I'm in the restaurant, we work on a we have a, a really luxurious six man pass. <laughs> you know, we have a good time, and you know, you have, you have the time then to really spend looking at what we're doing how we can make it better how it tastes you know how we can make improvements and you know if it was just I came in and brushed Johnny aside and you just you're embroiled in service you're not going to get the same value out of you know where when you kind of I don't know when you do what I do I guess you, you need to add as much value every minute of the day that you possibly can because you know we are everywhere. We are in and out. We're over here. We're back in London. We're back in Brits. In Australia, you know, you've got to make it count. 
So the question I've asked each of the guests that I've interviewed today, I'll ask you both, so you both get a choice. Yeah. If you could choose one chef, past or present, to present on this stage today, who would you oh, choose? I'll go first if you like. Go on, uh, I've got two. Go on then. Is that all right? Yeah, fine. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. I would say uh, Thomas Keller. Nice. And Grant Ackett's. Nice. Cool. Why would you choose both of those guys? Thomas Keller, because he's just, he's the man. Yeah, I don't need to explain anymore. Yeah, he is the man. And uh, I would say Grant Ackett's because it's the best meal I've ever eaten at Alinea. And uh, I just got a lot of respect for him as a chef, as a kind of as he's so creative but also as a, as a person going through the struggles that he's been through personally and and what he's achieved professionally and just the way he keeps pushing forward all the time he's a genius so it'd be pretty cool to get him on it we're, we're creating quite a good roster actually the staff canteen yeah, might be trying to yeah they're pretty good actually <laughs> what about you actually um well, I'd actually say that we ha- we actually did cook with Thomas Keller in the restaurant. Yeah, we did. It was amazing. So yeah. you did fulfil that one, really. No, but um, these on about on the stage. Okay, on stage here. Do you know what? Actually, it might be a bit cheesy, but I would say I would actually like to kind of turn the clock back, you know, 15 years and probably actually cook with Heston, actually, because, you know, we don't do that anymore. We don't do, you know, live cooking together on yeah. stage. It's You know, if we do it, it's probably filming, which is... It's filming, that's right? Because you've both become such names. Well, the, you know, everything is where ev- everything's evolved so much, and you know, we're, we've got so much going on that you never get the opportunity to do that. So maybe, you know, actually, that might be quite a cool, cool thing for the next one. It might be an absolute nightmare, like the old days. But you know what? If I had to pick one, that would be without being cheesy. I think it would be that. That's one. a good shout. Listen. Um, as I mentioned, start the interview off the story. The Fat Duck is uh, one of the most influential, in fact, the most influential restaurant in my life that I've ever eaten in. Meeting you guys, speaking to you about dinner, it's been absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cheers. Thanks very much. Cheers. The next chat was an absolute privilege for me. A legend of the game, John Williams from the world famous Ritz Hotel in London. And he cooked one of his favourite all-time dishes, fillet of turbot with baby leeks and morel mushrooms. I feel like a lucky man to have some time with you. How are you, sir? Yeah, good, thank you. That was Very fantastic. Good. I really you enjoyed, enjoyed it. That. Yeah. yeah. Absolute natural talker. I don't know. Yes, you are. You <laughs> it's are. talking, you know, when you're talking about the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis it's very easy isn't it it should be yes uh, especially if you enjoy it, it. yeah right you know. feet come to the point you know uh, and I wondered how with you know the repertoire that you have how you decide what dish you're going to do for an event like this um very very simple it's one of my favourite dishes and it has been uh, there's not many dishes I can say I've actually held on to for 20 odd years right uh, I've got a longestine dish, it's still there. I've got a turbot dish, and often I'll come back and say, well, just use those kind of dishes because it, it showcases proper cooking. It also showcases the kind of cooking I enjoy. Uh, and I think it actually is a statement of classic cooking, but brought into a modern-day life. I think it's very, very important that... Um, if you're a classical cook, you don't actually go old-fashioned. Food has to be relevant, so it has to be light enough. We can't eat the same um, califer- uh, calorie amounts in the food that we eat today. So, of course, you have to actually change that. And I hope that comes across in the, in the food that we actually serve. Because at the moment you don't, you're dead. 
So relevance is very important. Classic cooking is something uh, we have almost like a growing trend back towards now. Would you agree? Uh, people, I knew people were going to follow me. No, <laughs> <laughs> no the, the, the reality, guns yes. And it paid off. Uh, do you know, look, the reality, people want good food. And any good food that is cooked in a good way will always come back. It will always, you know, be in fashion, call it whatever you like. But the reality of it is, it's about cooking it well. The reason people drifted away from classic cooking was because they weren't doing it right in the first place. It's when you do something well and you do it correctly, of course you'll carry on doing it. So did you feel like almost like a responsibility to keep it alive? It's actually quite interesting. I do believe that, yes. Um, Because I get very um, wound up that people in Britain don't respect that. If you were in France, God totally different um, but I also feel a responsibility for hotels but you know they have to work harder at actually giving a great food and beverage uh, and I'm just generalising there there are great hotels outside with a good food and beverage but more of them or they wouldn't give the food and beverage away you know so what happens is the restaurateurs come in and say well let's do it and good luck to them I, I don't blame them for it they were doing a much better job at the time but isn't it time that we actually invested in our own people to actually drive these things forward? I, rem- I remember watching you on Great British Menu and you judged some very creative, modern mm-hmm. chefs there as well. Do you have to almost remove yourself from that cla- you know, classic cookery to no. judge neutral? No, what's good is good and what's <laughs> bad is bad. It's very simple. Food is very simple. And you can taste, you know, anyone can be a judge in food because everybody has a palate. And you either like it or you don't. And that's what I would say to every single person. So if someone is actually judging anything, all they have to do is taste it and say, I like it, why do you like it? I don't like it, why do you not like it? Do you see what I mean? It's a very simple process in my book. So what are the sort of, you know, the real fundamentals that one one should and could master that you know, is similar to what you've been demonstrating today, what you do in the, in the restaurant? The thing I say to everybody is, first and foremost, learn the fundamentals of cooking. Braising, baking, roasting, sauteing, poaching, boiling. All of these foundations, when you've learned those foundations and learned them well, you can then build recipes. Because after that, when you, you understand how to cook, because that's what it is... You then take ingredients and it's about measuring and seeing which one balances best for the flavours that you actually want. Then you can follow recipes and then you can actually... You, you see, yeah. it's... So you start at almost the very That's building close. blocks and... That's what they are, the building blocks of cooking. Yeah. It's a very simple thing for me. And obviously, again, with the Staff Canteen Live, it's brilliant to have a chef like you because they'll... All these chefs are so unique here, mm. you know, but to have someone like yourself to show that off, it mm. must be a good opportunity to take, right? Yeah, you've got to, you, you know, every now and then you have to come out and say, listen, this is what I do, and I do it like this because I believe, I, I do sincerely believe in it. The thing with anything that is classic, you have to make it relevant for the, the diner of the day, mm. you know, and I think that's just the most important thing. And... Even now, do you still feel that pressure of the Ritz name that you have on the badge? With customers, and this is very much just customers, you, you have people that come with an expectation like you don't know what. Mm. So you have to match it. Mm. But is it a pressure? No, because I, can actually, I like to think I can fulfil it. Yeah. 
but it's an institution. Yeah, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a function, whether it's someone in the restaurant. I feel we can deliver the product to surprise and give people enjoyment of the food that they eat. That's what's important. You know, I was, I was following you, I follow you on Twitter, and I saw um, a picture you took the other day of a Fabergé dish that you made. That dish has been with me a long time. Somebody asked me for it. How, how, uh, how creative, though, and wonderful and spectacular to nope. Do you know the first dish. time I did that dish? It was for 220 people in Claridge's and it was for two and three star chefs from the, um, the, table, the, the table Grand Table du Monde. Um, and, you know, these people were all two and three stars. And in actual fact, there was a chef called Michel Boran, who used to be chef of the Connaught, who's a mentor for me, and a brilliant, brilliant chef, and one of the great teachers of the 80s, 70s and 80s and early 90s and Michel actually came to me and he says you know he said I'd like you to do this dinner because he couldn't have a banquet and I said yeah he said but you have to do something very special John <laughs> and when I produced this because inside that egg uh, it's cooked in an eggshell mm-hmm. and we actually have pasta which is stuffed with truffle so it's lined with that and then we put a mousseline of lobster inside there is a soft boiled quail egg and you have to cook the egg just so long that the egg is still warm, but it's still running. So when they cut through, they have the egg. And, of course, chefs appreciate that kind of thing. And we did this, uh, and I tell you, it was 220. And these three-star chefs were coming up to me and saying, you're crazy, you're mental. <laughs> it was just because well, I, wanted to, I wanted to impress them. Yeah. I wanted them to know that we're not stupid here and we can do these things. So it was very, very important for me to deliver and I only bring that dish out I will only do it for a function or you know for the day because you can't make that and keep it in the fridge and then cook it it's not you have to make it cook it serve it but examples like that and examples like what you were just showing there does show that classic cookery can be and is this this spectacle you can't go anywhere else you know, you'd be amazed what people do nowadays. They package everything up and say, oh, you know, this is me. This is my personal um, dish. You know, there's nobody else does this. The reality of it is it has all been done. Yeah. It has all been done. Yeah. So, you know, whilst we must always respect our forebearers and people before because that's where we learn from. You always learn going backwards to go forwards. Do you feel like now as well you've had that mantle passed to you and now you're going to pass down the mantle to some of these guys, 100%. the sous chef that you've had with you today? 100%. I've got three or four guys in my kitchen who are apprentices and they're special kids. Mm. They're special, I tell you. Uh, they will actually go on, they'll be head chefs and I know one or two of them will come back and be chefs of the Ritz. Wow. And, and I guess it's easy when you're doing an event like this to cut corners, oh, have yeah. things prepared none of that for you right well you've got to have you've got to show what they're doing you know and that's what it's about and it must be way more hours way more hard work way more dedication that's the problem but you know does it pay off i think it does yeah and like say everybody here just you know respects you and respects what you're doing and, and you know between me and you you one of the chefs that today that I was just so looking forward to That's meet. very kind. It's uh, very kind. Know, it's a really pleasure to meet, so, you know, please don't, you know, take it into offence to the other guys, but 
you know, just just to have this chat is, is such a such a pleasure. Oh, it's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank what's, you. what's your involvement been with the staff canteen then up until now? Well, over the years, Mark has supported me with different things, the Buku store and different kinds of competitions, and he's always actually been interested in what we're actually doing. And I just think it's important that we we support one another anyway, mm. you know. And when I when he gave me the opportunity, I said, of course, you know, yeah. um, because if we support one another. We'll do the right things, and it's better for the industry. And what I've asked all my guests to wrap up each interview, if you could pick one chef, past, present, to be on that stage today and do a demo alongside you or after you, who would you pick? Michel Bourdain. And why would that be? He's my mentor. Right, OK. So he's the main man, right? For me, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And what, what sort of things do you think he would, he would show? Similar techniques to you? Oh, no, much more classic and old-fashioned. Um, no, he would be so structured, but it would be great food. Yeah? Yeah. He could cook that kind of dish. Right. That, that's without doubt. And, and, you know, what was the biggest thing or the number one thing that you took from, from him? Um, discipline. Discipline and actually proper cooking with good ingredients. And it's all about that ingredient, right? Without ingredient, a chef is nothing. <laughs> you know, you can't make beautiful food out of shitty ingredients. Right. It's as simple as that. Listen, I won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much. You're a superstar. Thank you thank very you much sir. indeed. My pleasure. Jen, thank you. Unfortunately, due to his time restraints, I was unable to catch up with Adam Byatt from Trinity in London, but he cooked a wonderful dish of Dover sole baked in a dashy butter. I just want to thank all the chefs that had a chat with me today and say that, Adam, I will be catching up with you as soon as possible. Thank you so much to the staff canteen. Excellent episode. I'm sure you'll all agree. So that was it. What a fantastic episode. Thank you so much to this episode's sponsors, the staff canteen. And please be aware that I really would love it if you started to email me with some questions for the chefs for the future series. Now, I know I like to keep it a surprise, but if there's any sort of tips you're looking for, any tricks, if you've got any tips to share yourself, then you can email me, paul at thepastpodcast.com. And likewise, if you have any incredible stories from dining out, any just anything to share with the podcast, send us an email and we'll read them out at the start of each episode. Cheers.